0: mm mm-hmm.
1: and I would like to cut outside the ship. We can see at this skyship port, there there are a lot of kind of bustling locals around here. That are here to greet, like, travelers, and there is a contingent of the ship that has rolled back some of the the side-facing cargo doors in the Uhuru to unload whatever it is the Uhuru is able to load up with in Du and also the spare treasures that they managed to loot from the Silver Bullet after their successful conflict we can see uh, carts that have been tied to the back of griffin chickens. And I've mentioned griffins kind of throughout this episode, but if we do have new listeners, they might not know that in the world of Sphere, the universe that Skyjax takes place in, there are creatures called griffins, which are lion birds. It is not that they are half lion, half bird it is that like a cat would be to a lion, a griffin is to a bird in that this is simply a much larger version of, of this small creature. Griffins are birds that can grow to about 8.3 times the size of an average terrestrial counterpart and also fall anywhere in between. And And a few manage to even break that, that 8.3 line. So we see massive chickens chickens that stand seven eight feet tall that have been tied up to carts that they pull this cargo along there there are a lot of acheron locals here we we can see that folk from acheron look very different There are some folk that, you know, I I think um, if this were the real world, we might say, oh, oh, those folks might be from Korea or, oh, these these folks look like they might be from, well, Ohio. (laughs) So there, there are people from all over who make up this local community of Acheron kind of. Unloading the side of the Uhuru, putting them onto, the, uh, putting cargo onto these carts. A question that I have for our guest, who I'm gonna cut in and go, "Hey, everyone, welcome, Big Bees, to the Skyjacks podcast."
0: Hey, hey. hey. hello, <laughs>
1: what up, bees? Can you please tell us just? So folks can find you, where where they might be able to uh, hear your other work if they just fall deeply in love with everything you do here <laughs> and wanna wanna find more of your other stuff.
0: You can catch me on Twitch on my channel at Big Underscore Bees. That's B E A Z. Yes, B E A Z. You can catch me Saturday evenings as I play a mass game on RF Chaos. You can catch something I did a while ago with the wonderful James here, the price of coal on the one-shot network. Uh what else? Oh, I have actually working with the other Tracy on Ironetta Reforged. Mm. Got a lot of stuff kind of in the works. So just uh also follow me on Twitter at Big Bees underscore B-E-A-Z. And I'll just blast all the things that I'm a part of and everyone that I love and want to support all over my Twitter feed. So,
1: uh, so Bees, the question that I yes. have for you, we know that Douglas is kind of a, a big man in, mm-hmm. in this community, mm-hmm. someone that people look to and respect. And we also know that Douglas is expecting the return of his son, Jonat. Is Douglas the type of of father who you know meets their son at the airport? Did you have, send folk along to like bring bring him home and have a big surprise waiting at home? What, what, how how is Doug prepared? Where where is he at?
0: No no no. Douglas is is back at home.
2: When, when Johnnet
0: gets there. Jonat will get there. He has a he has a few. A few things he needs to take care of, like normal chores that he's got to finish off that he's like gotten ahead of, so that he can he can end everything and spend most of the night with his son. But he also is doing a little something extra, trying to get some stuff together uh, for that as well. So he isn't gonna, you know, take the time out to go. Meet Johnny. He did send some people that he trusts getting Johnny and bringing him back to the place. Plus, he figures if not, it's only been a year. The boy should still know his way back home. <laughs> so, um, is there someone right.
3: waiting with a sign that says yeah. <laughs> "Kessler
4: Kessler
1: Party of One"? I think it's one of the one of the members of the Durf yep. family who yep. we've established our families. Was it Dennis
2: Durf?
5: I think or- it was. I think it was Dennis Durf. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And this is the goober kid... From the story, yeah.
4: mm-hmm.
1: who who they thought were, were stealing Kessler chickens, and and Jonnet had a race to resolve it. They both kind of fell into some snare traps that Jonnet had prepared <laughs> to cheat in the race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and while they were caught in those snare traps, had some time to talk and sort out their differences. So so yeah, we we've got one of the Durf kids out who is also you know probably similar age. We'll, we'll say probably around seventeen you know just just a, just a bit older than jonet mm-hmm. but tyler what does this person look like
5: i think this person in the in the year that jonet has seen dennis durf he's gotten taller he's gotten like like lankier and a little bit more wiry like he i think this is probably like a luxury but i imagine like a kid with glasses He's kind of got, like, a little bit of tan skin, kind of, like, more curly, crimpy hair down to uh, his shoulders, glasses, and he's in full, like, work attire. I feel like Douglas probably, like yelled across at Dennis when he was working like hey go, he like, go get my son and so like he was like no no fanfare nothing but he's there with I guess the rest of the people welcoming the ship in and like he's got his hand like clasped over something like around something.
1: Mm-hmm. Alright Bees with that description you're going to be playing Dennis Durf uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. until we get to the Kessler household. Uh, so we see Dennis Durf got, got a sign that says John or, or, or something of the like on it. Got something else mysterious that is being clutched to that. I, I guess bees, we're going to leave that entirely within your hands. Can I, r-
5: uh, uh, real quick. Can I just say that, uh, Dennis, like he's already messing with him. instead of John It's Joe nut.
1: <laughs>
2: <Jonas. laughs> Excellent. Excellent work. <laughs>
1: So you're you're standing there like it's been a while like things are unloading Jonet is taking his time to come off the ship. And I think it is a probably a natural conclusion that that Dennis might reach is like, "Well, yeah, Jonet's been working aboard this ship for about a year." He's probably unloading a bunch of the cargo. He's probably working right now. Completely unaware that Jonnet is a star watcher yeah. for, for for this ship. An incredibly important role. So you you might have been waiting there for quite some time, maybe even a little bit bored. When you hear a thumping and perhaps even what sounds like an animalistic roar of of desperation from within the ship... I would like to turn to Travis. Travis, you have precious seconds that you need to find an exit so you can get off of this ship and maybe horribly keep growing. You have no idea when this might stop.
3: I, am I too big at this point to fit through like a porthole or something?
1: Probably, right? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, I think very quickly, portholes, like, the only ways out for you, I think, are like actual doors or getting above deck somehow.
3: Yeah, then I think I'm just going to like kind of crash my way out. It's, it's all you can do.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, So I'm going to give you two routes. What you could do, you could try going up. That is going to be maneuvering your way, perhaps squeezing through certain stairwells on the ship. This will be very close by. However, there are smaller openings. The other thing that you could do is move through the cargo. All of the crew quarters are technically kind of in the cargo area of the ship, but to do that, you're going to have to barrel through a lot of this, pushing aside boxes, knocking things over, maybe causing some problems, but you do know that you'll be able to exit the big cargo doors on the ship and not have to worry about anything. The third option could be going out through the griffin cages. Mm. The, that are in the ship, which, you know, might upset some
3: of Gable's big birds. I think that the birds and I have an okay relationship and they'll
1: well, understand.
2: Depends which one.
3: <laughs> Love this. So I
1: need you to make a charm roll with two black dice. You are trying to appear non-threatening to big giant predator birds. <laughs> Well, one of them's not technically a predator. Uh, uh, Lucas does crave human flesh, though. Now, because he I mean, likes isn't it. Isn't
3: he the most
0: bloodthirsty out of yeah. all of them? Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. Now, may
1: is
3: I get... You said too black for that?
1: Too black because you are a horrible
3: monstrosity right now. May I get one blue because part of that is bird part?
1: Ugh. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm gonna say no this time. Okay. Normally, I give you a blue dye for bird stuff, but like yeah, yeah. the thing that you know about birds is like, oh, if they saw a scary monster, they would be scared. Fair. Uh, so that doesn't help you very much right
3: now. And what, what did you say this was? A charm? This is a charm, and it is hard okay. for sure. So that is three, correct? That is three purple. Oh, bud. I'm feeling good about this. Uh, <laughs> and Cronin Bird can't help you.
2: Cronin Bird. <laughs> <No. laughs> Cronin Bird, baby.
3: I mm-hmm. have achieved three successes and four
2: threats. Abs- absolutely not. What? Wow. You're a goddamn liar. On earth, you're a liar. Back.
0: Nice. Golden bird for the win. Okay. I'm proud of you, four Johnny. threats, huh?
1: Here's hmm. what happens my charm is good. Travis starts scrambling through the ship, and part of the problem that you are facing right now, not only are you growing uncontrollably, which kind of makes ambulation like awkward to begin with, your
3: feet and legs keep changing. Like, I think your
1: hind legs are like bird legs now.
3: And I've definitely, as I was coming out of my quarters, the curtains got wrapped around my body. One of my feet is in a bucket.
1: <laughs>
3: yes, all of, yes, all of the classics, <laughs>
1: and and there are just like many animal cries of like oh gosh, bless, bless you, bless
3: you. Someone's allergic to babies.
1: Oh. Yeah, <laughs> tough luck. Uh, th- th- there are many animalistic cries of like stress and desperation as you are like thud thumping and thudding through the hallway. The threats that we are getting, there are members of the Uhuru crew. Who see this monstrosity moving down the hallways and go, "Oh no, it's a monster! I have to get it." <laughs> so I'm gonna say Wendell Barge is one of the things hanging off of you right now. The wings that are on your back, Stabbing Wendell has you. like bodily leaped on top of them, is now holding you by the wings, attempting to wrestle you. Oh, I ran and I,
3: you. I ran through a clothesline. There's a bra over my face. I can't see who's fighting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: There's a bra over your face and Wendell's face. So Wendell can't see who he's fighting.
2: All um, oh, my bras I, I are think, gone. <laughs> I think I Wendell is like
1: attempting to punch you, to, to like subdue you, but not trying to to subdue the monster on the ship person trying to get away was of course Plith, mm. but Plith got scooped <laughs> up on, on your big muzzle and rolled down onto like the back of your neck where Wendell is clinging to your wings and punching, and so Plith is just getting repeatedly punched by Wendell's big beefy arms. <laughs> That's exactly oh, what a monster suit, would
3: please. say. <laughs> you can't fool me, monster.
1: <laughs> yeah, going go, going through. Obviously, because Plith was like caught up in all of this, Jane has to be following quickly behind, and. You know, you, this mirrors kind of the chase that Ormar had to the, the rowdy R's through the ship, to out. Rocco. Yeah. Like maneuvering from the cargo area to where the birds are kept. Um, but you are having to squeeze yourself and scramble through doors, pulling your ever-changing body through. Now you've got like kind of a beak, but it has teeth in it.
4: Oh. And you're like... <laughs>
1: You've got like kind of a feathery mane of these beautiful white feathers that are sticking out through your fur. You've still got these coyote paws in the front, but in the back you have like the talons, not the talons, but like the the claws of, of a raven. And you're, like, just pushing and contorting yourself through as you've gotten bigger and bigger. I I think now Travis is around, like, 300 pounds of beast just, like, moving through, getting larger. And then, of course, you get into, like, like, you come through, I think, the bra. You finally manage to shake the bra off of your head. And you are now in the griffin enclosures where their cages are and you are eye to eye with Metatron and Lucas. I think Flea has probably already been (laughs) let out to to run paces and and fly over Acheron. Maybe even uh, stay circling in the sky so the the other ship in Oromar's fleet will be able to see where they've landed. But these two sort of make eye contact with this still-growing, horrific-looking beast who has just entered their area. Liz, he got four successes?
3: Mm-hmm. Wait, or what? maybe it was three. It was three. It was. Three successes, four threats. four threats.
1: Three successes, four threats. So three successes. How did they react to this monster suddenly appearing?
2: Well, sorry, gents. Sorry, gents. Lucas has immediately done the math of, like, there are two flailing human bodies on this monster. The monster is bigger than the human bodies. If the monster keeps going, there will be more human bodies for him to eat. <laughs> and it's just, like, real quick math. Like, oh, go for it, man. Whatever you want to do. I'll just go go with God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Lucas, Lucas, ever the scavenger is just like, uh,
2: maybe this will mean I get to eat some some people later on. And Metatron's asleep because he's a good boy. Metatron, yeah, like
1: turns around, like lazily opens one predator eye, looks at the situation, does that like little sideways bird blink, and then turns back to like stuff his head back in his feathers, like whatever. Above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here for all that.
2: So they scooch aside. Yeah,
1: Flea's Cage then is open, Travis. You just got to try and squeeze yourself through it. And for that, I'll need a coordination roll. This will also be hard.
3: You're doing this on purpose, making me play the game.
1: And I don't care for it.
3: (laughs) How dare. That's what we pay you to do. (laughs) (laughs) It is what we pay you to do. Uh, What what was it? Did you say hard? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, hard. Three purple. That is two failures and four advantages. <laughs> okay. Wow.
1: Okay. So you had right. four threats and four advantages. So what I think happens, there is a loud metallic thud as all of the pirates that have like jumped and, and clinged onto Travis that are like trying to subdue whatever monster somehow made its way into the Uhuru get like pulled off of him and and basically knocked out, stunned, knocked to the side as Travis lunges through this ever smaller hole in the cage where he'd be able to fit his body through. But as he's moving, he like gets stuck and his body is too big and still growing now in this cage. You can see in front of you like... The open port to the side where you or any griffin would be able to make your way out and just be free in the world, but you're stuck in this, like, little threshold. I want to know who of the crew is the first to arrive to this chaotic scene. Or of, or of us as player characters,
6: or other people in the heroes. Sorry to interrupt.
1: you as player characters. I'm gonna say we we could mm, comically mm. have other uh, NPCs show up if you think if you
6: think like Carlos says, like I'll melt the bars. <laughs> <like that. laughs> yeah, yeah. Time to commit chemical related crimes once again. <laughs> No, I, I think Oromar, having, you know, got a magical inclination that something was very, very wrong, uh, has probably been more directly pointed to where that feeling is coming from. That makes from. sense. Yeah, he, like, dro- he drops the glass jar, like, unintentionally. The startle of this kind of makes him drop the jar, and the bird <laughs> probably is put out for a while, and he's like, puts bird back in cage. Signs, even though this bird does not understand sign language, I'll be right back, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of with with alacrity starts stomping down the corridor. We get the the, the kind of telltale signs of Oromar Vale's boots as it marches out of frame and then back into frame in the bird hold. Yeah, there there is there is a moment I think upon observing just the I guess like Sphinx that uh, Travis currently is there's just a moment of no movement whatsoever while Omar has to go through a number of calculations all at once on kind of handling this thing. Do we have to fight it? Well, it is in a cage right now and it seemed to have put itself in the cage. But there are members of my crew who seem to currently be in uh, mild peril. So let's extricate them first. Mm. So Omar then wades in to go and rescue at the least Plif. (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think Cliff got knocked into a a big, like... What, what, what we'll say some some tar or something there's just like some sticky substance that's, that's around no
2: these cages. don't do this to him
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I think I, know. I think yeah well well that's it Wendell has uh, landed in the big burlap sacks that they use to sweep up all the spare feathers so Wendell explodes out of that and uh, Pliff is oh what it is because this is like the 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 Rookery, this is where the griffins hang out. Pliff ended up like in kind of the the sugary apple stuff that you're storing to feed the, the birds. So like Wendell explodes out and all of these feathers fill the room and fall onto Pliff. Mm. And Pliff goes, I'm fine! I'm fine. Yeah, yeah don't worry, don't... don't worry, Cap. I managed to punch that monster a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> Probably doesn't and, uh, have much left in him.
6: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Oramai ignores Wendell, goes immediately over to Plif by the collar hoisted off the ground.
2: Like a yeah.
6: It took a while to put all that apple puree together. Ugh. And he's broken, like, three jars of this shit by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a moment in the eyes of kind of, like, staring accusatorily.
1: Uh, Captain, I swear I'm not a monster. I'm not a monster. I'm just covered in stickiness and feathers.
6: There is the best human approximation of a sigh that Oromar can do. Uh, The crew knows that he's dead, but he's still (laughs) trying his best to communicate like a human when possible and just kind of full body flings... Cliff over, <laughs> over his shoulder. Cliff is a cartoon and basically rubber, so this doesn't deal him any damage. Um, yeah, Cliff,
1: well, Cliff lands bridal style in Jane's arms, who we did establish was chasing after uh, uh,
6: this whole cacophonous scene. Mm-hmm. Signing back with one hand, clean him up. <laughs> As... <laughs> And marches over to the cage with Travis and silently sizes this thing up. How bad is this, Travis? Like, is this like... We we were talking Cronenberg earlier, but is this played for horror here? Or do you look surprisingly noble, even though you're an an unintentional amalgam?
3: I don't know. When James
6: was describing it, it
3: sounded pretty fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I think it's probably alarming... It's especially alarming. the size. I think the size is honestly the most
6: alarming part.
2: Mm-hmm. And he's in the cage right now.
6: And your heart rate is going wild, mm-hmm. which is making my heart rate go wild because I'm empathetic to you <laughs> while well, you still have my heart. <laughs> or draft's heart, but you know, it was bequeathed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just a bit of a panic feedback loop for a couple seconds until we maybe slowly realize that the cause of us panicking is in the same space. So there's just a full, like, minute of staring at each other down with panicked eyes until it kind of settles Lucas slightly. Lucas is just <laughs>
2: pecking at you, because now he's mad. Get, mm. get out of here. Oh, who? Get- Lucas is just pecking at Travis because he's in <laughs> space. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, I uh I I think there's a, there's a solid look at Lucas at this point of a kind of like we're having a we're having a staring conversation, Lucas. Do you mind? <laughs>
2: and Lucas is like, fine. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: uh
2: yeah.
6: Ah! Oh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, eventually, Oromar signs Travis.
3: Yeah, and can you believe how sticky he got? <laughs> I was shocked.
6: There, there is, there is a, an entire loss for words. This amount of there is a, a palpable frustration that seems to be going across Oromar, and is as a result can no longer concentrate in trying to do sign language correctly. And also, bef- before
3: you even bring it up, this is exactly what I meant to
6: happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think mid that, uh, can I connect directly to Travis's soul as as we've had before and have a conversation yes. in yeah, yeah, yeah soul space instead? Is that fine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. cool.
1: Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the Midroll. Folks, we mentioned this last episode, but I am mentioning it again here. We got Big Bees as a guest for this arc. I cannot wait for you to hear the stuff that we did together. It is so good. Head out right now and follow Big Bees on Twitter. That is at biggest underscore bees. B-E-A-Z. Follow them, support them, love him. Heroes, I've got a brand new book out, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. This is a follow-up to my first book, The Ultimate RPG Backstory Guide. Both of these books have prompts, activities, and mini-games to help you develop more complex and interesting backstories for your role-playing characters. The first one focused basically exclusively on the fantasy genre, but my new guide has material that is geared towards all of the most popular RPG genres. Whether you're developing a character for a horror, a western, sci-fi, or something punk, this guide has a special collection of exercises geared towards supporting those genres and helping you with your character. It is available everywhere books are sold. That's all major online retailers, major brick-and-mortar bookstores, and of course your friendly local game store or favorite indie brick-and-mortar shop. If you're going to pick it up, I do recommend picking it up from an indie shop. Just be sure to call ahead to make sure they can special order it if they don't have it on the shelf already. And if you do pick up a book, I would deeply appreciate you leaving a 5-star rating or review on any site that will review books. As much as I am loathed to say the name, uh, it really helps when people leave reviews on Amazon. Not only does that push us up the charts, but my publisher pays very close attention to those reviews, and it is how I get new book contracts, which uh, which keeps a home over my head. If you want to pick up a copy for yourself, head to bit.ly slash rpgbackstory2. That's RPG Backstory and the numeral 2, and that'll take you to the Simon & Schuster page, where you'll be able to find a good cross-section of the retailers that carry it. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Benjamin Rose, thank you. Lenny, thank you so much. Gug the Goose, thank you. Quinn, thank you so much. Diana DeMarco, thank you. Spencer Hall, thank you so much. Kate, thank you. Charlie Heidkamp, thank you so much. Rachel Dutch, thank you. KD, thank you very much. Minchowski, thank you. Matthew Stafford, thank you so much. Rero Reads thank you. Charlie White, thank you very much. Ina, thank you. Nadia Kay, thank you so much. Saturn's father, thank you. Michael Lynn, thank you so much. Anna, thank you. Kenna May, thank you. Ellen Cornelia, thank you so much. Abby Schraber, thank you very much. Beans, thank you. And Dragon Girl Josie, thank you so much. A sincere thank you to all of our backers on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. And I am so very proud of this show.
5: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member
1: FDSE. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky.
6: So w- being unable to try and actually communicate physically or Marvin Ted goes internal, and I guess we both pass out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the idea of like being it's like, okay, you and me, we're passing out. We're having a conversation. <gasps> Three, two, one.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucas is just like
2: looking at two people who are, are like a, a monster and a man, and both of them just fall down <laughs> next to him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which he thinks like, oh, they're dead. So he's going to start biting. <laughs> just... I, I see.
1: Yeah. Like I actually kind of see like this as a the, the moment in Princess Mononoke where Sen is like just leaning her head mm. against like like her wolf mother or brother. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like you lean into each other and both kind of like. Pass out. I don't know if Oromar goes limp because I don't
6: know if he that's how the problem. Yeah, body he's capable works. of locking yeah. his body in place more or less. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he rigor mortises I, I, instead of like a uh, rag dolls, I guess. Like a sta- like so a I, suit of armor statue. Just like
4: mm,
0: very, very similar, actually, so, and probably just as eerie. So, think of um, how terrifying that is for everyone else because Oromar just <laughs> oh, walked yes. up to this creature and As far as they can tell, just stared it to death. Yeah. And is still staring at it.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it goes calm and it starts growing much more slowly, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. While you're in this situation and we step into the spiritual realm. Mm where we see the bright, white, freshly born, quote-unquote, soul of Travis Madigo, speaking to the, the strange and unearthly, greenish, blue-green tint-toned soul of Oromar, a ghost that haunts its own
6: body. Mm. And once again, the description of a mansion held up by a thousand spider spring strings of this <laughs> inner space. And, uh, yeah... I guess we we get a we get an armchair. It's not a throne. I think it's just a very comfy armchair of this kind of like both simultaneously a soul orb and an outline of Oromar Vale, gesturing broadly to this soul orb and chimera outline of Travis Matago, and says, "What the fuck is this?"
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, um. <clears throat> I thought... <laughs> I, you know, I assumed that a griffin was an animal and that that would kind of be enough. Um, okay. But it turns out it's harder to become one of those than, say, a standard size of a, <laughs> of a bird. <laughs>
6: right.
1: I feel like there has to be some way in this, this mansion space, a, a way for them to see maybe through the windows of the eyes, uh, mm. the world of the living. Mm. You know, perhaps in, in an orb that they ponder between.
6: Oh, I, I like that this knives out looking ass mansion has like a <laughs> nice floor to ceiling window. Oh, of,
4: oh of yeah. The kind
6: of like <laughs> the, the space outside yeah. capitalized.
1: Mm. And, and, you know, Ormer, you can see. Travis isn't wrong, exactly. He did manage to become a griffin. It was just hard. <laughs> mm. And it seems to have rubbed off on his other animal form as well.
6: Well, I do have a follow-up question. Where did you decide to start being a griffin? You clearly didn't start here, where there is clearly... Obviously, the most space for you to do something like this safely.
3: When I transform, I usually start to feel it around my feet and it works its way up. And I thought it would be the same with this.
6: I'm not quite sure that answers my question. <laughs> oh,
3: you mean <laughs> in the go. ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> um I I think if you follow the trail of braziers and buckets and draperies, my buckets <laughs> you'll, you'll find it leads back to
6: my quarters which I I thought was respectful of me to mm. how large is the Griffin at this point <laughs> is it like seven eight feet tall
1: yeah I I, I think so it, it's like large enough that this Coyote's hind legs are getting stuck in this doorway that a human would go through to get into a griffin enclosure. Mm. So it's
3: massive at this point.
6: You decided to turn into an eight-foot chimera in your hammock.
3: Well, I was standing next to the hammock, but but (laughs) more or less, yeah, that's Mm. what happened.
6: As far as I'm aware, very few members of the crew know that you are a changeling. Changing into such a large beast in a public part of the ship, where other members of the crew might see you sounds risky.
3: That's why I was doing it in my quarters.
6: I thought Your quarters are in a public part of the ship. You do not have a bedroom, you were not Conviding in bathroom barrier. I hope he's enjoying his holiday, by the way. Um I got a postcard from him.
2: <laughs> what? Why <laughs> would he just Harry has- he's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: Wait
5: a minute? Hang on. That's postcard. too far.
2: <laughs> that- it's a fantasy world. I do not believe that.
6: <laughs> I'm sure the ranch sells postcards. He just didn't give you one.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> it has to have an obnoxious souvenir gift shop. Anyway. Mm.
3: Pens <laughs> where you slide it and a little cow gets Sexy undressed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is the second time we brought up sexy this. bikini pens <laughs> on this podcast. And I think that's one too many. It's an important
1: piece of technology that we need mm. to have firmly established, especially the new listeners, Liz, mm-hmm. exists in the world that Skyjacks has. Think mm-hmm. of the new listeners, the Liz. The new
4: listeners. <laughs> the technology.
1: The are they going to be listening to a show and go, oh, my God, are they ever going to tell us if they have <laughs> pens that if you move them, reveal a sexy version of, of a thing that's of on the pen? <laughs> yes, it's okay, listeners. Yes, we do. That is a a cornerstone, I would say, of our world building. We
2: don't even mm. we as, didn't establish that we have pens. <laughs> <laughs> listener,
0: I gotta say, as a longtime listener, you had, you know, captivating story, great actors, all that wonderful stuff, but it just didn't keep me around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to go look for another podcast yeah. and then you brought in sexy pens and that's what cemented it. <laughs> that's that's that and was the saving power. grace right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that right. was the product. That's of why we
1: have the session. retention yeah. that the adventure zone has been lacking between <laughs> their arcs, is because we get sexy pens in yeah. there right away. Right away. I just I, I, I,
6: I love the fact that this is mid-conversation and this is basically <laughs> a shared intrusive thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Every aside is a, a some character's intrusive thought, I think. Yeah, we're, we're both
3: imagining all of the fun we'll have at the ranch gift shop. <laughs>
6: yeah, a number a number of spider strings come out from the earth and pull this intrusive thought just into the void. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. So, you're saying that you decided to turn into an eight-foot beast in your bunk, which is just a hammock with a curtain around it, and you figured that was enough privacy when no one would notice you.
3: You know, when you say it like that, it sounds honestly less uh, thoughtful... Than I imagined it when I did it. Mm. And, you know, I suppose... I suppose you might be right. Uh, But I think it's safe to say that, you know, aside from the damage from there to here, all in all, kind of worked out.
6: Orma rubs the sides of his (laughs) spiritual temples. Oh, God, the damage done to the ship. So... I suppose, then, that this particular uh, jaunt of yours was not so much a gamble as sheer idiocy, I see.
3: You know what? Yeah, that is exactly what it was. (laughs) Upon
1: saying that, you both feel the thrum of a connection that exists between you. Not one that exists within Dref's heart, but one that sits between your pinkies. The Mm -hmm. thrum of a promise made between you two.
6: Which I think manifests physically as another spider string of glowing green light goes and connects the two. It, it is
1: it is a red-green light, um, mm. as we, we've established that the connections between people, the things that bind one soul to another, um, at least thanks to Margaret, can appear to us as red strings. This one binds your pinkies as that is what you bound together when you made your accord. Mm-hmm. Travis swore that he would not gamble, and yet here he has done something risky. Feeling the thrum of this energy, I think, Oromar, you know you have the right to sue, to say that this is indeed a gamble, mm. and you might win.
6: That kind of level of pause and a, I have every right to win this gamble. And your body. (laughs) But there are more pressing matters. Young Jonet Kessler is going to be doing something very important in the foreseeable. And I would like to make sure that, that, more than anything else, more than wages, goes smoothly. I will uh, take my one price from you after... After the ceremony of Jonat Kessler's completes, mm-hmm. then I will take my prize.
3: You know, I I hate to say it, but you you won fair and square, and, uh, what are you gonna do? But now that I did lose,
6: you boys free to gamble again. <laughs> <laughs> Travis Mass <Matt> again. <coughs> if your shenanigans happen to ruin this ceremony, there won't be a body for me to possess because I will have torn it limb from them.
3: But I... Th- so you know. Th- ...thought that being a griffin would help. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we step outside the spiritual realm into the physical where I believe Gable and Janet have arrived to this scene now.
6: Hmm. I think there is a. I, I think the, the the interjection of I think it would help. Or I was like, we're done here. And just <laughs> it's like slamming like, the door the <laughs> Absolutely not.
5: <laughs> I imagine like the scene in the real world is <laughs> Gable poking the Griffin Chimera, and then Jonnet poking the Captain,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep like. Lucas is obviously taking a bite and like pushing, <laughs> like pushing a dog's head away from a treat that it really wants. It's like yes. happier and happier. <laughs> stop it. Stop. It, stop it.
5: I just, I, I feel like ah! it'll, it'll fix itself. They, 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 they know what they're doing. Okay, and we don't. We don't. You don't need to be here. Just feel okay,
2: like your your body's akimbo. We, we just should just move middle.
5: Lucas. We should just move
2: Lucas. <gasps> we should, we should move Lucas, but Lucas
5: <gasps> <stuff>. ah! ah! <laughs> ah! John kicks it? the Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we don't know it's Travis. <laughs> what are you why are you kicking me? Oh it's Travis. Oh, oh talk. Okay. No, no.
5: All right. No. Human tongue.
2: All right.
6: Oramar comes to, oh, you're both here. Like he looks at both of you, doesn't say anything. He's not he's not got the liquid in his voice to be able to speak correctly, but like looks at both both of the two of you and uh kind of like nods slowly, being like, "Ah, oh, you're here and uh when when did you get here? <laughs>
2: Followed a trail of brassiers. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of bras. A lot of bras <laughs> on the ship. Also, it was bra-
5: it was laundry day, but
2: <laughs> Jennifer Brazier's is very upset.
5: Jennifer braziers. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: okay.
5: Add him to we the death chart. The set. <laughs> I can't help but imagine like the woman from Beauty and the Beast who needs six eggs. Like that's
1: Jennifer <laughs> <laughs> Brazier.
2: She's always stressed out. Yes. She's
1: Jennifer like, Brazier. Uh, yeah, it's Jennifer's well-known information is the name of the shop. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Gosh. No yes. secrets
1: here. It's Brazier's.
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh so I was like, okay, um y'all squared away. What Travis, can you undo what 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 you, what this is and Jonah is kind of fumbling over his words. He's like, really, this is kinda of, this is kinda of like crunch time for me. The, I, I, uh, can, you, can you fix this? This and he's gesturing to all of the griffin mm-hmm. of the chimera.
2: Gable's, like, pulling, like, piles of, like, furry flesh and, like, trying to fold it off into, like, a smaller version. Like, go yeah, back I to Yeah, I guess it.
3: I'll try to turn back into a coyote for now as not to embarrass our young friend.
1: Yeah, I believe, I believe getting stuck in, in a door on the ship does satisfy the imprisonment of the island. So you are free to attempt to transform once more. Okay. What's the difficulty? This is hard and not daunting. You're not trying to mix something in, but like you're in a, a good deal of pain. This is still kind of new. You've only
3: chimeraed a couple times before in your past. And this is primal, correct? This is primal. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, three successes and three threats.
4: Hmm.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to
1: allow you to choose, do you want your threats to manifest in just being kind of worn out from all of the transforming, or do you want to be more noticeable
3: to the people around you? Being more noticeable is more fun, I think, from a perspective of someone listening to this. (laughs) Then, here's what you get to
1: choose, then. You can either stay a chimera, stay a coyote with bird parts, or stay... Huge, you are like now a coyote that stands at about like like six feet tall to the shoulder.
3: So I'm either giant coyote or small chimera,
1: or yeah, either giant coyote or coyote sized chimera.
3: Oh wow! Give me that big puppy. Give me that big puppy. Both are f- very compelling. Yeah, they're compelling images, <laughs> baby. Let's Clifford this. I'm gonna be a big dog. <laughs>
1: Yes! <laughs> My big dog. Then I think we cut over to Denny Durf. Denny who hears commotion on this ship. A lot of commotion. There is yelling, there are animal screams, there Fix are gripping
2: cries. Feathers coming out of portholes. <laughs> My bruisiers! Um That is not what Jennifer what? sounds like. She is a beautiful voice.
4: <laughs>
1: I can't do Jennifer's voice. <laughs>
0: What we, in uh, the head? What is he? <laughs> what did he?
5: Jo- John. <laughs> Jonnit hears the faintest hint of his name and then just, like, runs to, like, the, like, a nearby window, pokes his head out. Is like, oh, it's Denny. Uh, uh, uh. And then he opens the, the window. And,
0: What's up, Denny? what in the hell is going on? Don't worry about it. I'm back. Jenny,
1: I think, I think you can like circle around at this point to like the, the griffin hatch in, in the back of the <laughs> ship that they <laughs> launch, flee from, and you'll be able to find like Jonnet is standing there with Captain Vale, with Gable, and this enormous coyote.
0: So I think what happens is I yell, John, it, he hears that, pokes his head out the window to yell at me. But at that point, I've walked around. So as he's yelling, I'm looking at him with his face out the window yelling. And I'm like, I'm here. And as he says, I'm here, he turns and sees the giant dog. And he's like, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> uh, what? <laughs> what is that? What?
3: Hey, don't worry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Don't
2: talk. Don't talk. Don't talk to people. <laughs>
3: I'm Jonathan's friend, and you're the only one who can hear me.
4: <laughs> oh, he's gone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, I kind of like the idea yes. that he gets
2: frozen in place. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> just freaks out. His just... Mind game on him. <laughs> oh, don't we? We can also hear him. We can also hear the big dog. Hi, I'm Gable. <laughs> nice
4: uh, to. You're
3: the only one D- who can hear them too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, the rest, Travis, everyone Travis, can hear me.
5: John kind of like puts you know his hand on like the muzzle of of the giant coyote and then like Travis then- puts his
3: paw on John mouth.
5: <laughs> <laughs> John falls over because that's far too much weight. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And then from the ground, uh, I was like, "Well, Danny, this uh, meet the crew of the Huru."
6: Oromar, like, steps into frame, having managed to obtain somehow a gigantic leash from the <laughs> General Bertolt.
4: Oh, please, gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give
6: <laughs> and signs to Jonat's friend, not knowing whether he can speak sign, understand sign language or not. Sorry, my hound got loose. Yes. So does anybody translate? I mean, John, it would, unless you picked it up in the last
0: year, John, it would kind of know if you, mm. if you, like, signed or not. So he just sees this massive man just start throwing up signs, and he's like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what you, what's he saying? Uh, the,
5: this is our, this is our pup, uh, this is our pup we call, c- pup named Travis, um, and, uh, kind of got out, got loose, got it back, don't worry about it. Uh, talks." Boy. <laughs> it's a very, very bad, very
3: bad dog. Very uh, bad boy. And yet there's no rule that says a dog can't be on
6: a ship. <sighs> <Goodness>. uh. Uh, <laughs> Arma turns <laughs> to look at Travis and signs, play dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I feel is a great place to end our episode.
5: <again>.
2: Oh, that's such Ooh. a big
1: puppy. <laughs>
5: Wait. Big pup.
1: Oh Travis, the big white dog. Yes. Uh, good, good,
5: okay. good. Oh, my god!
1: Except Travis is a dog who grew so much because people hated
0: him so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grew and grew. The anti-Clifford.
4: <laughs> oh.
0: Skyjacks.
1: Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Mirzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role playing system. It tows the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. like design doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Roland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. Jonat Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Pairs. Travis Madigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, one-shot the original music featured in this podcast was written composed and performed by arnie Parrott. you can find him on twitter over at a r n e p a r r o t t you can find more of his work at atptunes.com this episode was edited by casey tony who can be found on twitter at casey Pony, or on his podcast neo scum our logo was designed by fiona shea who can be found on twitter at fiona pup the world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists an Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games.
2: To the strangers have ever been kind, and once for our friends rise. twice to the dearest we're leaving behind you. No, we can
0: never deny the call of the sky.